Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Hip Senior Podcast, hosted by Marianne Bailey. Each week we sit down with seniors age 55 and up to share stories that will inspire you to live your life to the fullest. Plus, information on the latest services that will allow you to make your golden years into platinum years. So, grab your cup of joe, sit back, and get inspired. And now just a quick message from our sponsor of the day, Anchor by Spotify. Hi friends, this is Marion Bailey from The Hip Senior. Have you ever wondered what it takes to have a podcast? Well, I'm here to tell you that Anchor.fm is one of the easiest ways to get started. You can have a podcast up and running in one day. Did you know that? You can talk about things in your past, things that are going to happen in the future, things about a business or a volunteer opportunity. There's all kinds of reasons and things that you can do with a podcast. And I'm here to let you know that using Anchor by Spotify is one of the easiest ways to make a podcast. Everything that you need to record a podcast, to edit it, and to get it listed in all the major podcast listening platforms, such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. Everything's in one place. Simple to do. And oh, I forgot to mention, it's completely free. If you want more information about hosting a podcast or getting started, Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And now back to our podcast. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Marianne Bailey with the Hip Senior Franchise. And today we are talking to Krista Powers and we are talking about Blue Zones. This is a totally new um term for me. I have never heard this except for when uh, Krista had mentioned it. And so we are going to take some time today to learn about Blue Zones from Krista. And welcome to the show, Krista. Thank you so much. I am super excited to talk about Blue Zones, always. I can tell. I can tell. So Krista, let's start out with, uh, tell us a little bit about you and what you do for a living. For sure. So I founded a coaching business back in the fall in 2020. It's called Potera, which is the Latin root of the word power. Um, And really it's about coaching each person's power within and whether it's a life transition or a goal or ambition that someone is pursuing, I am happy to work with them. I have a special um, care in my heart and, and my mind and my background for caregivers, especially. So I am very interested in serving caregivers as they care for an aging loved one to make sure that they aren't lost in the process of such an important role that they're taking on. That is amazing. You know, I met somebody the other day who actually does care packages, like a subscription type boxes for caregivers. They focus on caregivers. Um, So I know there's a lot of caregivers in the world right now in general that um, need some love and attention. So if you're, um, if you know some of those people, you might want to go to the hip senior directory and check out burn boxes Um, or yeah, burn, burnout box. I think it's burnout box, but uh, yeah. So people need people in their world that care about them and are willing to make sure that they're trained correctly because we don't want things coming back on caregivers that they're doing wrong when in fact they weren't being trained right to begin with. Sure. It's such a massive undertaking. I don't think that anyone's ever prepared for it, right? It's, I mean, from what I hear, it's much like having a baby. You can't really know what you don't know until you're in the midst and throes of the whole experience. That's the same with caregiving for someone who's aging. You figure it out as you go. And that's why, to your point, resources, support systems are so critically important for people to tap into. Yeah, extremely important. And I don't think that, I don't know, I can't talk about past because I never realized what a great support system there was around senior citizen businesses um, already. And I'm just hoping to 
hopefully uh, be able to increase that that knowledge out there and, and those support systems as well. So thank you so much for being with us today. And um, so blue zones, let's, let's get started. What are blue zones? Yeah, definitely. So blue zones are areas across the globe where there is a higher percentage of centenarians. So people who live to be 100 plus years old and they're living healthy, productive, long lives um, at a rate that is you know, just off the charts for these different communities. And there's been a ton of research done and I'll definitely get into all of that. Um, but ultimately it's, it's really about living longer, better, which appeals to me like no other. I think that our culture here in the U.S., um, we, I, I've always thought that we could do so much better by learning from other countries. I actually um, created a class for Xavier University for their undergrad uh, program. It's gerontological social work. And one of the first questions I ask in one of the classes is for people to pull out, the students to pull out a piece of paper and write down as many words that they can think of to describe an older person. I give them two minutes and they write down a list of words and then we talk about it. And it's typically words like wrinkles and disease and wise and slow and stories and hard of hearing. And it's predominantly really negative <laughs> words to be perfectly honest. And then we watch several video clips of people who are 70, 80, 90 years old and they're gymnasts and they're musicians and they're they're doing things with using their body in, in amazing ways. And oh, I, I don't know. They're hip seniors, you're saying? They they are indeed hip seniors. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Let's call it what it is, Krista. <laughs> <laughs> yes, good point. Thank you. <laughs> so then after watching those, we do the same thing. I ask them to write down words to describe an older person. And immediately the shift happens and they write words like incredible and resilient and surprising and strong. And, and some of the words are the same, wise and courageous and all that. But I, I think that to start with, our culture is one that we don't necessarily see and honor the brilliance and magnitude of aging adults. So right. that's kind of step one <laughs> of, of this whole process. You know, the couple of days ago, I uploaded a podcast that was introducing, I'm really having a hard time speaking English today, introducing the series that we're kind of working on with this and in what's going on with why the word senior citizen is such a derogatory term in America these days. And in it, I tell about how uh, in other countries, you know, elders, so senior citizens, just another word for it, right? Elders are respected and reverent and honored. So when your elder speaks, younger generations listen because your elder has wisdom and has something to say, you know, hear something. Yeah. You know? And so why in America that sh where that shift happened to where, again, like you said, you know, they, they think of wrinkly skin and, and this and that, what, you know, like I've been saying lately, sitting around in a nursing home and there depends, you know, and, and peeing in their pants, you know, it's just like, what, what, where did this happen that, that everyone started thinking derogatory when we hear the word senior citizen? Sure. And I honestly, I've not looked more deeply into that, but it's concerning, right? Because you see these other countries doing things in such a healthier way that my goodness, why, why are we not clinging on to and, and using these opportunities, which is precisely where, where I get excited about blue zones. And just to kind of throw out a couple um, statistics to also to start with, uh, the life expectancy of an average American today is, is about 78 years old. Obviously it's a little different for a woman or a man, but it's 78.2 years. And for people in the U.S., only one out of 5,000 live to be 100. And there's been some research done on what the capacity, how many years of capacity a human body has. And that research indicates it's 90 years for the human body. But then you think about this life expectancy of a 78 years. So we're essentially cutting ourselves short 12 solid years 
that can be disease free. And yet there's so much that, that we do that impacts us and lowers our life expectancy. And here's, here's the wild twist, in my opinion. Um, there was something called the Danish twin study, and they discovered that only about 20% of how long the average person lives is determined by our genes. So that means 80% is impacted by our choices and our environments and our lifestyle. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that's again, where I'm like, who, what are we doing here in the U S and so this, um, to talk a bit more about blue zones, Dan Butner um, worked with the National Geographic and they did detailed studies and research. And they really did some, some deep digging to look at where are these kind of these hotspots, these blue zones across the globe. And they found several places. Um, it's Okinawa, Japan. It is um, Costa Rica. It is Sardinia. Um, and in fact, there's a blue zone in the United States. It's out in Loma Linda, California, which that thrills me. I'd love to go check it out. What's interesting is that is a community of Seventh-day Adventists. And so as we, as we unpack this here in this conversation today, we're going to talk about what's going on out in Loma Linda, California, that they've created a blue zone and their, their community members are living longer, healthier. So we only have one blue zone in all of America? We do when they did these studies, yes. Now, what's cool is they identified nine kind of lessons from these blue zones and nine lifestyles. And so now through the whole blue zone project, different cities throughout the US are adopting the blue zone project and striving to become blue zones. So I'm not sure kind of where that stands in terms of other cities popping up. I know that cities have adopted this process. They've seen massive success in turning around um, disease statistics and, you know, just um, lifespan of people. I'm not sure if they've yet kind of turned the entire curve. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. So these blue zones weren't, they didn't start out to create a blue zone. They just looked at the age of the general population and determined, okay, so there's a lot of people that live to be 100 in this area and they named it a blue zone. Do we know where that name blue zone came from? It was like little ladies with blue hair. You, you know what? Um, I did, I did read that. So it was originally from, um, a couple people doing some research and it was outlined. There was, um, an article in the journal of experimental gerontology and they found these and literally as they started to map it, they drew con concentric blue circles on a map. And it, it's because they used the color blue and it simply just stuck. I mean, it's nothing like wildly, you know, entertaining about it, but yeah, it's just what they were doing through their studies initially. So I just Googled that as we were talking, I said, how many blue zones are there in America? And an article in Forbes, it said that there was five world blue zones. World. One in, in Loma Linda. Five. Yep. Yep. So yeah. So just the one then officially in the U.S., but then these other cities cropping up, adopting some of the practices. Wow. All right. Tell us more. Okay. Good stuff. So here's um, here's kind of the the what is it um, when they they looked at they boiled down to nine. They call it the power nine. These are the nine characteristics that across cultures, they were able to identify, this is what makes a person able to live longer. So the first one is moving naturally. And Dan Butner, who's done all this research, he talks about, hey, you don't need an exercise program, which I think most of us would be like, yep, I'm on board, sign me up, right? Like, okay, I don't need an exercise program. But he talked about moving naturally is part of the lifestyle of these five blue zones across the globe. So in Sardinia, these people are often shepherds. So they are traversing the landscape 
for hours, you know, in a day. They're walking. It's this consistent, low impact physical movement that they're doing. Or the people in Okinawa, the women sit on the floor. So you think about literally throughout their entire life, they're getting up, they're getting down, they're getting up, they're getting down. So it's this movement and it's just part of their daily living. Gardening is a massive thing throughout all of these communities. And if you think about not only the nutritional benefits, which by all means, we're going to talk about that as one of the power nine, but you think about the actual work of doing gardening that you burn calories, right? So it's these natural movements or even something as simple as these other countries where they don't have beaters when they're making, you know, when they're making a meal and, and baking something, they're stirring this by hand. So once again, it's body movement and it's burning of calories in a natural way. Oh, what a great thought. I never even thought of a mixer being a deterrent to movement. It's an enabler, right? Like, and we love it because we love ease and, um, you know, just gadgets to be perfectly honest. And yet, when we do without, we can definitely benefit ourselves. Just even things like shredding cheese or chopping yeah. stuff or whatever, just just that whole, that movement thing. What a great point. Okay. Or even, I mean, gosh, then you think about like people who now have like standing desks, right? We've become a culture that we sit at a desk for eight hours, many of us, not everyone. But if you simply stand instead of sit, you're burning a different amount of calories. So it's things that can be done very easily. Um, certainly there needs to be a lot of change in our culture, but that's that's the first one um, of the power nine. Hold on one second, okay, hold on. Yep. Let me take this doctor's appointment thing. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll cut this out, hold on. Krista, the fact that moving naturally is, you know, I, I don't think enough of us, we think of exercising and stuff, but we really don't think about, the the movement that like you said mixing stuff or just simply doing stuff in the kitchen or you know um maybe cleaning maybe mopping up something with your hand and and, and a rag instead of using a mop or something like that even kind of get you up and down and bending over and stuff like that 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 all plays into those factors yeah and honestly none of these like amazingly healthy strong vibrant centenarians have been doing, you know, they, they're not lifting weights and they're not running marathons. Like that is not part of their lifestyle for the past 100 years. They have done things in other ways. They're lifting things, right. But it's part of daily life. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So number two is purpose. I love this one most definitely as a life coach. Um, so this is about the Okinawans call it ikigai. Um, Costa Ricans have a term called plan de vida, which basically means plan for life or plan of life. Both of them translate to why I wake up in the morning. And so these centenarians in these five communities and spots throughout the globe, they have a sense of their purpose. So think about in the U.S., we go through our lives and you know, we get to retirement and oftentimes people are like looking forward to that day and they want to, you know, kind of the, the stereotype is, okay, I'm going to have a life of leisure now. Maybe I'm going to travel and maybe I'm going to play more golf and maybe I just get to kind of do what I want, but it's almost like unplugging, right? Okinawans don't even have a word for retirement, which I think is massively interesting because language is so important in all ways. And so they don't talk about unplugging essentially. They talk about what is their purpose in life. So whether they are 25 or 75, they have that that focus and that reason for why they're getting out of bed. That's interesting. That's interesting that they don't have a word for retirement because there's you know there's always been a heavy influence of American soldiers in Okinawa, right? Um, mm -hmm. And so you would think that that kind of would have rubbed off on more of them because you know Military is always talking about retirement and, and leaving the service and stuff. So it's interesting that that hasn't affected them more than that. Sure. Yeah. No, it is. It is interesting. Maybe they're just so clear on their purpose that they're like, nope, we're not adopting that. Yeah. Isn't that great? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I love that because, you know, it, it definitely aligns with the whole concept of like 
vision boards. And while that's something that I talk about doing annually, like when I do them over the past many years, there is a thread and there's a commonality. And so to me, that's looking at, that's my underlying foundational purpose in life, right? And, and I just think it's so important and something that not enough of us are plugged into or pay attention to or talk about. Yeah, that, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. Okay. So the third one, and all of these, my goodness, I feel like each of these are their own talk, topic in and of themselves, but I know that- we talk about it all day long, right? Exactly. But we only got less than an hour for a podcast, so- <laughs> Exactly. Long podcast. I'm just not sure anybody would really listen that long. So right, right, exactly. So that's why I want to make sure to hit all of them um, because they're all like they have their their own little nuance. That's like, oh, okay, very good. (laughs) On to number three. So three is downshifting. It's taking time to relieve stress. So by all means, any human, wherever they are in the globe, whether they're you know a centenarian or not, and aging well, people have stress right? And the genius and the knowledge of these centenarians in these blue zones is they know that they have to, they have to downshift. They have to take time to relieve that stress because ultimately, you know, diseases are so connected to stress. And if we keep up that pace constantly day after day, week after week, month, year, all of that, we're going to really get ourselves in a bad situation. So these places, they have rates of, you know, cardiovascular disease and cancers at a much lower rate than the U.S. And I think part of it is, is because these communities are typically taking 24 hours and a day to unplug. So that's where the seven-day Adventist out in California, they do that really well, no matter what, every single week consistently, 24 hours they set aside and they go for a nature walk, with family and community, they pray. That's part of what's valuable to them. And and they just unplug from the responsibilities of life. And in a similar way, that's also what other um, communities in blue zones do as well. So I like to think that I unplug on, on one of the weekend days, but I don't, when I'm being honest with myself, I always have either my list of things to do that didn't get done during the week and projects, or I'm, I'm still working or whatever it might be. So in all honesty, I actually don't do this really well. And I would be hard pressed to find any of my friends or, or people who do just really take 24 hours week after week and make sure they do that. I've been trying really hard with that. Like on the weekends lately, I I try to work really hard during the week. And then on the weekends, maybe Saturday or so, I maybe take some time to go work with, um, like if a client needs some one-on-one help or something like that, luckily I get out of the office and I go do that because I work so much from home um, in my office these days. And then on Sundays or so, um, I'm not necessarily disconnecting from everything. I still have my phone glued to my hand. Uh, I'm still, you know, answering text messages or, you know, messages, but usually not from clients. I tend to like, oh, you know what, that can wait until Monday. And um, people just kind of have to accept that it's a weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to do like on Sunday afternoons, you know, laundry and stuff like that, getting ready for the next week or so. But so I'm not necessarily like not doing anything, but I'm not necessarily sitting at my desk doing marketing or or promoting or something like that um, to where I'm up and moving about and and being active and stuff. So um, that's good. I mean, progress is great. Right. And, and any steps toward that is awesome. And I think we just have to continue to be honest with ourselves, myself, especially like I let things creep in really quickly. And then it's like, I'm cluttered again and I'm not at all taking a break. You know, and I think that we, so I used to be a lot less able to unplug. Like it seemed like every time I would, for example, I was in Florida, went to the beach, left my phone. I was visiting my parents, left my phone at my parents' house. And by the time I got back to my phone, you know, it had blown up with messages from my daughter, you know, won't even go into that. But, you know, there were things going on and she was like, mom needs to know about this and and whatnot. But once I got divorced and and was eliminated some of the more stress points out of my life, it was like I learned how to to eliminate those things and say, okay, 
what's really important and what do I really need to accomplish and what can wait until maybe tomorrow or somebody else can do and stuff like that. So um, I think just being able to disconnect would be a huge benefit for a lot of people. A lot of people will take like social media uh, vacations mm -hmm. where they're not on social media at all and stuff like that. And I imagine that's part of it as well. Um, I would imagine a large part of these blue zones don't aren't heavily influenced on social media type stuff as well. Is that part I of would, I would guess too, or even having electronic devices. I mean, you know, I'm not sure that that's something as valued or as accessible, right? Like up in the mountains of, of Sardinia or, you know, so it's, it's just not part of the lifestyle and what people need to be connected. Because blue zones aren't necessarily an age group, right? They're just, it's the fundamental area of, of the place. That's that right. Boats living that long and that healthy, right? That's exactly right. Yes. So you think about, um, and we'll talk about this in one of the other power nine, but it's ultimately a benefit for everyone. So the seven-year-old, you know, in a household who's living in this community that has all of these nine practices in place is is much more likely that that child is going to grow and age positively and live longer better okay that makes yeah. sense yeah so great so four number four um of the power nine is it's called the 80 percent rule uh in okinawa they call it harahachibu and this is a mantra from confucius like centuries ago right and the concept is um, they, they want to stop eating when their stomach is 80% full because it takes half an hour for our bodies to digest and to trigger that we're full. So they, before every meal say harahachibu, and it's their reminder to stop eating at that 80% so that they don't overeat, but they also have other little tricks and strategies as well which, you know, quite honestly, these are things that I've learned through like Weight Watchers and through like various things over the years, they use smaller plates, right? So there's not as much food on there. They also have a practice where they go and dish up their food, put away the leftovers, go and sit down and eat. So it's not like a family style, keep serving up as you go. It is a serving and, and that and the rest is put away. So there's various things to help people. You know, they also have their light meal later in the day, you know, as, as kind of their dinner or supper, and then they don't eat after supper. There's just the really tiny actions that well, every single day when practiced add up to a person not becoming obese, which is a massive factor for so many diseases in the U.S., and a massive factor of comorbidities and why we're not aging well and healthier than we are. Great. Okay. Yeah. So number five is plant slant. So this is where um, there, there's not a rule to avoid meat. However, much less meat is consumed in these communities than a typical American diet. Um, for example, I think I read that uh, meat, and it's it's mostly pork, is eaten on average five times per month, and the serving size is three to four ounces. So think about like a deck of cards that size. So it's it's smaller. It's eaten much less. You know, maybe once once a week, um, and the predominant diet is really around plants. So when you think about gardening, people are growing their food. So right away there's less toxicities that come with any sort of processed food. It's coming straight from your own garden and you're growing green leafy items and you're growing fruit and you're growing vegetables and that's what you eat. There's lots of beans and um, soy and lentils that are within these diets as well. And that is one of the power nine that's helping these people to live longer, better, which I think aligns with most everything. But the fact is, None of these communities are doing diets. They're not doing high protein. They're not doing, you know, um, South Beach diet. They're not doing whatever it might be. They're just eating in a, in a yeah. manner. Yeah. yeah. And way, again, it's kind of like the way, you know, if you, if all of us were raised that way, we would still be doing it that way. Yes. Right. I mean, think about it right now. Are you're in my age group. 
Um, and I think you and I are, are somewhat close in age. I think maybe a little bit younger. I don't know. Um, we're raised kind of like um, a lot of us in front of the TV that, you know, the TVs were starting to come out with brighter colors and this and that parents were both starting to enter the workforce and needed a way to keep the inner children entertained. We were plopped in front of a TV or, um, video games were just starting and we were inside more for that and stuff and you know handed quick easy meals because our parents had been working all day and maybe you know so we were feeding stuff fed stuff out of a box like um mm. chef boy or d type stuff and and whatnot um at least i know that's how my family lived and, and worked um and i imagine that there's other families out there that were kind of in the same scenario and so, um, yeah. But I'm, I'm like, I hear you. And I mean, I'm 43 and certainly I think, however, I was very fortunate. My family did a home cooked, well-rounded, healthy meal every night. And I'm grateful that my parents made that priority. However, over the years, when I left home, went to college and started working and somewhere along the way decided that I was too busy or didn't have interest in preparing my own food, then increase fast food and increase, you know, a frozen meal from, from the grocery, all of those things that are processed that I'm, I told myself the story that I don't have time or interest in preparing food. And it's a slippery slope, at least for me that, you know, things just compile and it becomes my habit and my ritual and how I eat. Yeah. We, we, we forget that like, Oh, if we would just disconnect for that one day and maybe be in the kitchen doing some meal prep that, that we would have not have to worry about time to cook during the week. Cause everything would kind of be prepared already. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So I know food is like a tough topic for people. So let me tell you number six of the power nine. It is wine at five. Now that's kind of the funny way of saying it. The, uh, the other way they label it is grape for life. And they talk about these communities, these individuals are having one to two glasses of wine per day. <laughs> so that's probably something people can get behind. Now, here's the thing. It's not like the crazy sugar laden. It's, it's like, they're like making this wine. So let's be clear. There's there's different qualities out there. I have a friend who's a health coach who's, you know, really focusing in. She loves wine, right? And she's not going to give it up. Good for her. That's just part of something she enjoys. But she's looking into wines that are healthier. And in Sardinia, they have um, wine that has much higher rates of polyphenols. So it's the antioxidants. And that's part of what is good and working within their body to help them. Now they're not having, they're not saving up their whole week of wine and having seven to 10 glasses on Saturday night. That's never a thing. <laughs> they're doing, you know, one glass a day um, and, and just enjoying it and proceeding and not doing the indulgence thing that I think our culture also does quite a bit. Um, or I've certainly been, you know, I've done in my life by all means, but that's kind of a fun one. Red wine is the best. Um, and again, I would definitely encourage people to look at the label. Um, that's critical as well. So I wonder through the years I've developed, um, an intolerance to wine, unfortunately, mm -hmm. I'm allergic to the sulfites in wine and ah. anaphylactic and I must stop breathing. So I wonder if there's like a liquor alternative, like, you know, tequila shots. <laughs> Marianne, I don't know the answer, but I love where your mind's going. Um, yeah. <laughs> I can wrap my head around like two tequila shots a night. That would be okay. I, I could buy into that. I have no problem with tequila whatsoever. I don't even get hangovers from tequila. So that would be maybe we should look in to see if that's a good blue zone alternative for that. Oh my gosh. See, this is probably why the U.S. has not figured it out. We're like, mm, can I swap for tequila? <laughs> It's probably some of the lesser um, calorie wise. I mean, think about it. It's, it's from a cactus. It's natural. Yeah, but I don't think it has antioxidants, you know? I'm not sure. I, I'm not a pro. Antioxidants and two vitamins a day, all right? Plus two shots of tequila. What, what? Well, what's the problem here, Krista? Oh gosh, look <laughs> at us, like just twisting this up. <laughs> well, you know. You know what though, us twisting it up is going to help people remember what we were talking about. So I'm, I'm super okay with it. Yep, yep. <laughs> okay. So number seven is belong. 
And this one talks about a spiritual um, practice or a faith community. So out of, um, they researched and interviewed 263 centenarians, only five of them, five of 263 did not belong to some sort of faith-based community. So very, very small percentage. And it doesn't matter what denomination, it just really focuses on attending and participating and having that practice of being part of a faith-based community does impact and add years to your life. In fact, Dan Buettner, um, some of the research shows that participating four times per month will add four to 14 years on your life expectancy. I have to imagine, you know, without going super deep on this, I have to imagine that part of this is having um, some, some hope, right? I think faith offers people hope. It offers comfort. It offers um, perhaps some of that letting go of stress. Um, so some different factors. It has different meaning for different people, but it's also the community and the ritual of it. We know that no matter what we do, consistency is key. So much like when we talk about exercising in our American culture, I can go exercise like crazy this afternoon, but if I only do it once a month, doesn't matter, right? right. So part of this is the, the ritual and consistency as well. Yeah, I was going to say that. I, I think it's more of the community and not being alone. Um, mm -hmm. they say that people that um, are alone and don't have a lot of friends and stuff like that and whatever tend to live um, shorter lives. Mm -hmm. So I would imagine that faith is a choice based on the the person's ideology and what they want to do. But um, just the fact that they're part of a community, whether that it could be, you know, a group that gets together once a day or once a week or whatever and, and knits, um, mm -hmm. you know, or something like that, but feeling part of a community um, in general is a big part of that as well. Yep. So you're, you're jumping into the ninth one, which is awesome. Oh. <laughs> um, no, it's perfect. But, but I think you're right. I think often we go immediately to, hmm, if I'm not religious, if I'm not a faith-based person, eh, that one doesn't feel so good. Here's the thing. I'm not pushing this on anyone. It's just literally the data that has been oh, discovered. Course, yeah. And, and so it's, it's interesting. And again, I think yes, community by all means. And is it, is it something about having an understanding that there's something, whatever people want to be, whether God, the universe, whatever, something that's bigger than us that we're interconnected with, you know, and, and sharing that thought and, and that discernment with others and in commuting conversation as well. Absolutely. Okay. What's number so, eight? Okay. Number eight is loved ones first. So the centenarians um, in these five blue zones put their family first. There's a lot of intergenerational families living together. And there's actually been research that looks at, they call it the grandmother effect. So when there's three generations in a household, the impact and better health that it can relate to for the children in the household as well, it can add healthy years to their lives as well as to the elder. And so it's just, it's about, you know, kind of that, again, interconnection, caring for one another, um, having the dialogue and the understanding and value on an aging person and kind of the wisdom and value they can bring. Think about if, if a grandmother is living with, you know, her adult child and grandchildren, she's probably not having to do any routine exercise. If she's lifting and walking after or running after that grandchild, that's her movement, right? Again, it's about like moving naturally and that's built in by putting family first. For them and that movement and all that stuff as well, so. Yeah, yeah, totally. And then the ninth one is tribe or more specifically right tribe. So this talks about, gosh, I love this so much. I'm so, I'm, I'm ready to like dive in, do more research. In Okinawa, they have a community. They call it, I, I think I'm saying this correctly, MOAIS. It's M-O-A-I-S, MOAIS, where they have groups of five friends that basically they commit to each other for life. And, and I think that the families must do this because um, one of the stories was a group of five women who are now each over 100, they've been together 97 years. So obviously this happened when they were like three years old, where the concept is 
they go through life together. So if, if I'm having um, some awesome bounty in my life, I share it with this group of, of you know, my MOAs. If I'm having a lot of struggle and concerns and stress, I again get support from that group of people. What's interesting is I'm gonna pull out my note here um, so I have it correct, is there's data that in the US 15 years ago, in the US data showed that a person had three close friends. More recently, it's down to one and a half close friends. Now that's kind of like the, you know, 2.5 children. I'm not sure where that half comes in, but you know, I, I don't have all the answers, um, but, but currently it's at one and a half close friends for people here in the United States. And think about maybe just- a friend and an imaginary friend. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> Yes, I'm okay with that. Um, but you know, if we don't have a support structure, what does that do to us? Who do we turn to when we're stressed, when we're concerned, when we're confused, when we're excited? And when you don't have that flow and exchange of feelings and energy, quite honestly, it impacts us negatively. So these other, these areas throughout the globe have figured out, we build it into who we are and what we do. And it literally impacts longer, healthier living. You know, that made me think of the movie, um, the sisterhood of the traveling pants. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So, I mean, you know, you think about like sororities, you think about, um, any sort of like clubs, like you, you talk about like getting together to sew, like knitting groups, like these things can happen in a lot of different ways. I think the intentionality is where it's really important for us to realize this is meaningful. And yes, I firmly believe there's seasons of life with friends. And yet, how are we finding a common thread with some people to make sure that we're supporting each other? What can I, how can I support you? How can you support me so that we do this thing of life together and we do it well? The other thing, when we talk about right tribe, if, if my tribe of, you know, three, four, five people, my closest people are all overweight, I am 50% more likely to be overweight. And I have to imagine that data can be extrapolated into other things. So if my people are, you know, voracious readers, I'm probably more likely to be a voracious reader. If they, you know, go out biking or hiking or whatever it might be. And of course, this all means if they're doing things that are negative or harmful for them, if they're drinking like fish, if they're, you know, not caring about any sort of conversation of purpose of life, if they don't hold steady jobs, if they, whatever it might be, these things impact us. So we have to be really careful with who we choose as our tribe. That's interesting. You know, I have um, been known for years to be able to remember in detail uh, dreams that I have. And um, just last night, I was dreaming that I walked out the, so, you know, I'm house sitting for some people right now that are, are snowbirds. And um, so I walked out of their garage, shut the garage door and was awakened to like this entire street, just or alley filled with cars in Ohio behind our garages and a lot of neighborhoods. They have like these alleys that run uh, behind our, our garage in the back. And for those of you that don't know that, because in Florida, I never experienced that. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, but um, so anyway, I walked in the back and there were like all these cars and people around and stuff. And I'm like, what in the world was going on? Well, a bunch of volunteers were getting together for at multiple houses and helping people fix stuff and repair stuff and, and clean stuff up, and whatever. And there was probably three or four um, houses that were benefiting from all these volunteers. And I stopped to ask these people, I'm like, hey, you know, what's going on though? And he had told me and him and his girlfriend or whatever, whoever was, you know, in this dream. And I was like, oh, okay. And I was going around and reading um, on all these little houses. They had little sticky notes and every person that had worked on that note, let house left an encouraging note on a sticky note on the front of the house for the homeowner possibly to read. I'm guessing that's what it was. Like I said, it was just a dream. So I have no information and but then i remember him saying coming up to me as i was leaving and saying um hey by the way um vo volunteering with this group is a really great way to make you know new adult friends 
And so part of that tribe is, is like you said, is people that have the same common core interests. And obviously we're not doing a whole lot of stuff like that right now with, with COVID and stuff, but there will be a day that, you know, we're all out there doing it again. And, um, and so, yeah, joining things that even in my dream, it was speaking to me and I had, wasn't even thinking about our conversation today at all yesterday. So I don't think that was part of, you know, the factor in there. And I didn't know that this number nine was, was tribe stuff. So it just goes to speak though, that, that even in people's dreams that, that sometimes it tells them what they should be doing and, and what, where their interests are and stuff. So, you know, yeah. traveling, getting out there, seeing the world, being with pe other people, instead of just always doing it by yourself, um, especially as you age, um, would definitely be something that would be interesting as well. Or like I said, people that do good stuff, but keeping in mind that the bad stuff factors in there as well too. Yep. Yep. It's true. It's true. But again, it's making our choices, right? So realizing that 80% of living a long, healthy life is our choices, our lifestyle, our environment, only 20% is genetic. So I think that too, again, that has just been such an interesting thing. And one that reminds me to take responsibility. I want to live to be 95, hundred. Like I, I've always talked about that. When I go on dates, I say, how old do you want to live to be? And people kind of laugh. They're like 40 or whatever, you know, as long as I'm healthy, I'm like, well, let's like actually open the conversation and let's get down into it. And let's talk about living longer, making it something that is desirable and making sure yeah. that we are healthy along the way. Yeah. Being hip. We want to be hip seniors. Yeah, exactly. You know, my grandmother's on, um, my, so my grandmother lived to be, I don't know, I think she was around 94, 95 years old and she was part of a large family and, and a lot of them all lived to be very old. And two of her sisters that were in their nineties when they passed away, they were still out there riding, you know, John Deere lawnmowers. They lived on a farm. They were still out there riding lawnmowers, cutting, cutting their front yard. You know, they didn't do like the whole farm. They weren't out there on plows and stuff, but they were out there um cutting grass and stuff well into their 80s i think um out there so just they like, were moving naturally yeah. right it was just part of life so, i will also say i have no problem with aging um recently however a friend just posted on facebook it was um, her birthday and she talked about being level 43 and i love that so if people have any resistance to like i'm 87 or i'm 25 like to a number around their years Talk about being level, like you've just leveled up, right? If if gamers are out there listening to this and you like kind of gain to the next level, that's what we're doing in life. Like it's actually a good, exciting thing. Exactly. You know, and um, I'm sure people are going to get really tired of me bringing him up. And if you don't know who Guy Kawasaki is, definitely check him out. He's uh was involved with uh, Apple when Macintosh computers came out. He's part of Canva. Um, you know, canva.com where people go and design stuff, or whatever, 66 years old, lives in California, surfs every morning, just about. Mm -hmm. And he told me recently in a, in a conversation that he and I had one-on-one -on -one, that if people had a hard time being called senior citizens, um, that after everything that's happened in, in the world in the last several years, that they had a bigger problem than being called senior citizens, if that was their hang up. So instead of, you know, instead of, being hung up on on what you're called let's worry about what you're not being called and 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 being out there and like you said doing exciting things and and being hip and uh like you said just being out there and being active and doing it and i mean if you're active means you're getting out there and walking around the block once a day if that's yeah. all you can do or just walk down your steps and back up then do it yes. you know if you're active means that you're doing chair yoga or, you know, obviously there's people that have disabilities and that le legitimately cannot get out and go for a walk. We get that. But it's just, you know, in hopefully you can physically find some way of, of being active. If that just means, you know, waving your arms around for, you know, a few minutes every so often or whatever, if that's all you can do. Um, and then being mentally active, you know, being we, we talk ourselves into we talk ourselves into a lot of the problems that we have. Yes. Whether, you know, my ex-husband, um, and now that he's done paying spousal support, I can talk about him a little bit more. Um, he used to say, 
every time, you know, he would come home or somebody would ask him, Hey, how are you? Oh, I'm tired. Well, that was his only answer. Well, if I always said that I was tired all the time, then I would be convincing myself that I was more tired than I actually was. So whereas I have a friend who her response, it's Diana Bossy. She says, you know, like, Hey, how's it going? She's like, it's the best day of my life. And at first it made me laugh and roll my eyes and get a little cycle. And now I've adopted it. And those are my tribe, right? The people who are on a high, not the people who are low, like you're saying your ex-husband was. Right. Yeah. Hence the word ex. But yeah, so it, it was like that, you know, hopefully I think he's in a better situation for him now. So that's great. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's finding people that, that also that accountability, you know, of being your tribe. Hey, you know, did you wave your hands in the air? Like you just don't care for 30 minutes, you know, today yeah. or whatever, you know, or, you know, even like I said, if you can't go outside, if you can just stand there and sway, you know, like you watch exercise programs and, and they're like, there's a couple out there now that are just like, they're dancing and just kind of moving their feet and, and, and not necessarily heavy, exciting, except, I mean, this is a whole, I know it's a whole different conversation, but you know, like I said, if, if you can just stand there and sway, you're, you're moving and, That's right. and so being part of that. So, um, so I'm, I love talking about this and this is actually going to be the subject for my March article. Um, okay. so that will be pushed out in the hipsenior.com in March and we'll continue to unpack it and just share some of this data so that others, if you're interested, you know, maybe there's nine lessons. Maybe you wrap your arms around one or two or three, right? You don't have to do everything at once. And I think it's just being curious and interested in something and knowing that this is data. This is science. It's not just willy nilly, you know, maybe do this, maybe do this. There are people who are living healthy, long, amazing lives. Who doesn't want that? You know, like that should be something that we're all aspiring to. And I get it. I get that dementia is a scary thing, that other diseases are very prevalent in our country. It is going to require each of us making a personal decision and then a community decision and continuing to layer on in order to start to shift our norms. So if also for ourselves, for future generations. I think this is something that we have to continue to look at and learn from others and graciously adopt some of the practices that are now being handed to us. I, absolutely. There's there's so many things that, that people can be doing. So um, Krista, thank you so much for, for joining me today and talking about Blue Zones. Um, we definitely will be looking forward to seeing your article in the Hip Senior Magazine um, starting in March again. Uh, and to view past articles about uh, that Chris has put in there. She had an interview uh, with a lovely couple uh, here in February for Valentine's Day and talked about her article at the beginning, talked about um, love and relationships and stuff. So um, let's travel backwards and go to thehipsenior.com and read Krista's wonderful articles and her wonderful interview. And we look forward to seeing much more of it from you, Krista. Thank you. This was fun. Yeah, it was. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Hip Senior Podcast. Remember to subscribe or you'll miss out on more inspirational stories that will make your golden years into platinum years. If you'd like to learn more about the senior services provided today, please visit us online at www.thehipsenior.com.